Hello everyone, this is Alex Trimble from The Alex Trimble Show, and I have with me today a phenomenal woman, Pam Pilligan. See, Pam serves as the Senior Vice President of Marketing Communications for a little-known bank that some of you may have heard of, um, yeah, Navy Federal Credit Union. Yeah, yeah, she's she's somewhat of a big deal. And in this conversation, we're going to discuss things such as when is it time to leave your job or leave your role? Um, how do you prioritize things that are all important so you can reach your career and personal aspirations? We also talk about how can you sell your ideas to whoever your customers, right? Whether they be external customers or internal customers, either way, you are selling an idea and you need them to buy into it if you want to be successful at it. So Pam and I cover a multitude of topics and I am extremely excited to get rolling in this interview. But before we get started on today's interview, I want to take a quick moment to remind you, not you, no, the, the one in the back, yeah, 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 you right there, remind you to make sure that you put your name in the drawing to be selected for this month's one-on-one -on -one coaching session with me. Again, I'm offering this as a thank you for everyone who supported me over this past six months, and I'm planning on doing this for the next six months. All you have to do is find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and even YouTube and post in the comment section of your question about leadership, networking, or success in general. And all you have to do is hashtag D-A-T show, T-H-E-A-T-S-H-O-W, and my handle, Alex D. Trimble, A-L-E-X-D-T-R-E-M-B-L-E. -E. If you have any question about where my little platforms are, you can find it in the description of this show notes, and <laughs> we're about getting ready to go. So as always, have a good time, take some notes, and make sure you take this information that you learned today and share it with someone else. Okay, you ready? <laughs> Let's go. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trimble from The Alex Show. And today I have, again, another hope-to-be, soon-to-be bestie friend. There's all kinds of songs about best friends. Um, how are you doing, Miss Pam? I'm great. Thank you, Alex. It's a pleasure to be with you here today. Oh, thank you so much. Um, we'll, we'll see about that once we get into the questioning. You know, I'm, I'm going to throw some 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 sidewinders at you. Um, and, you know, I had some questions lined up for you as we walked into today's session. But this morning I went for a walk and I noticed something. Um, I noticed that there were some lawns that were very, very well manicured and others that weren't. Um, it reminded me of mine when my, when my wife and I moved into our first house. Like, I was on it. Like I spent as much money as it was to have this perfect grass. And I, I thought that I was better than the neighbor who didn't have his you know, great get, uh, grass. Um, but then after a while, I was like, man, I'm just, I'm just feeding money into this. I'm just feeding resources. And, and do I really care about it? And I came to find out that, you know, the money that I spent on the grass material that just kept dying every year, unfortunately, um, I could have used on books or other things that are important to me. So I guess my first question is, you know, have you ever fed your energy or your resources into something that you thought was important only to later realize that, you know what, that wasn't, that wasn't where I should have been putting my resources? Alex, it's a great question. And I will tell you, uh, as a woman my age, I did a little bit of that early on as a woman when I was one of the few women in the room. I would look around and find myself with uh, a room full of men, and I felt like I needed to dress like them. 
And um, I wanted people to take me serious, so I had to look serious. So I would, you know, spend my resources on a very expensive suit, the female version of what they had. And um, it might make you fit in, but truthfully, it's not how you earned your seat and that table. Um, you earned that seat at the table because you were smart and you worked hard and you brought your A game. Nobody invited you there because you had the best suit. And I think it took me a little while. And I think it also was part of confidence and development that, that reminded myself of how I was in that room and why I was there. And um, let's face it, sometimes I was doing that for myself to feel accepted. And I don't even think the men in the room were looking and saying, good, she has a matching suit. So she's in. So uh, but it's a great example in the yard. I was I was spending more money and, and probably not even suits that I even loved. <laughs> I was just buying them because I felt like they <laughs> made me look the part. But that's a that for me was was definitely a lesson. Well, you, you, I love that you we started our conversation off like that because you're, you're right. At some at some level, it's a self-confidence. Right. And, you know, just being. I was on a call this morning with this, this woman who's phenomenal doing some really great stuff in her industry. And we talked about the women CEOs, right? A Fortune 500 company, the Ursula Barnes, who's now stepped down. You have the, um, the, the woman who was over Pepsi, right? And she stepped down a few years ago. And I was like, well, are there any more? And I think there was one, like there's one woman, like to be a woman, I hope I'm overstepping, but to be a woman in your type of position, a senior level position, does it... Do you ever, or did you ever have to deal with imposter syndrome or feeling like you needed to do more just to, just to be, you know, you? Less so about doing more at work to feel like me, but I felt like I had to do a little bit of adjustment on the metrics that matter to me. Um, as a mom, it was very important to me to make it home for dinner. And so not every night, but obviously certain nights of the week I'd make, or if my child had a sporting event or an event that was important to them, I would make sure that that was an A-level importance to be there. But the trade-off got to be at some point in that they would go to sleep at night and then I'd work a couple of hours. Um, and that got to be a regular basis. And then what happens is you kind of lose yourself in that you're probably, you're, you're stretched too thin. And it takes a little bit of a readjustment to say what's important and how can I give more focus to what's important? And right now it is a strategic choice to say no to some things uh, at both work and at home and pick wisely and just pull back and make sure that you're doing it conscientiously. You're not just randomly saying, oh yeah, I need to do this, say yes. Think about it in the context of where it fits for your development, where it fits for your exposure, and truthfully for your love and your passion. We spend too much time at work to not love what we do. So you also want to pick the things. Yes, you need to pick some things that stretch you and cause you to grow, but you also need to pick some things that you're really good at and things that you can really contribute to and make a difference and that you have a passion for and keep those on your plate too, as well as sometimes saying no to maybe an additional activity that at this stage in your life, this season doesn't fit. So, you know, I, I actually just interviewed um, Dr. Uh, Willie Jolly, who's is, is a phenomenal, you're shaking your head. So hopefully you, you, you know of him, like the guy is awesome. And he has done so much over his career. And him and I were talking, I said, look, you know, I want to have a TV show. Like that's actually one of the reasons why I started this podcast because I just really enjoy talking to leaders like yourself, but, and I, now I, I know I love it. I want to do it. 
And at the same time, I have so much on my plate. You know, I have my my YouTube channel. I have the the speaking. I do the trainings, the online stuff, the writings. Like, there's a lot. And so what he told me was I had to be very intentional with taking things off my plate and being very focused. Um, and I, I, I accept it. You, you know, you're absolutely right. But as we wrapped up the interview and I went back to talk to my wife, I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to do that. But everything on my plate is important. <laughs> everything is producing something of value. The, how do you, how it's easy, I think, to, to knock off things that aren't producing value or aren't that quote unquote important to you. But, but how do you decipher between those things that are important and the other things that are important? Well, I always tell myself that, that for this season, and I put that in air quotes, for this season in my life, I can't do this. So my no is not a no, never. It's a no for right now. And then I'm very disciplined, or you could call it even anal, about at the beginning of the year, taking a time to reassess those things that I put on my no, not now, is it their turn? And is that something I need to do, want to do, feel like I should do? Um, and I, I, I have a very old practice where I kind of think about my goals in the context of my professional development, my spiritual development, my personal, which I include in there, my physical, like in my exercising, that type of thing my family and um, at the end of the, at the beginning of every year and then finances, that's the last, that's the five. And at the very beginning of the year, I rate myself on a one to five against those five. And there are times in the year where I look and go, things are great with my family. And so I will give myself and I feel very strong on my faith. So those are out here. My professional life are my uh, physical in terms of just my health and being able to exercise. So I'm, maybe I'm a two. And then I'll connect the dots and see if I really have a circle, like a lot of fives or a lot of twos um, or a five and a one or a two. And how do I provide some balance to that? And sometimes it takes bringing something you're really at a five at, bringing it in a little bit so that you can give some more care and attention to the other aspects that you care about. And it's a good process because it does allow you some self-reflection and, um, and focus, which is what you really need to do. You, can, can I ask you to, to dive a little more into that? Because I think I love the idea. I think John Maxwell talks about annually. He takes, I think, a week or two weeks off just to reassess himself in the last year and make a plan. I love it. Do, do you have a structure around it? Are there certain questions you ask? Like, do you have a template? Have you created a template? Like, what does it actually look like to do that, that self-analysis? Well, for me, it is literally five lines that meet in the middle. So think of it as like a sun diagram with the five lines. And then I will plot myself on the one to five. And then if there's something, I'll use the example. If I think about um, my faith or I think about my physical health, because those are probably ones that relate to a lot of people, I will think about what are the things I need to do to improve in that area. So for me, for weight management, one of the things I do is I weigh every week. And just the idea of weekly getting on the scale and seeing what I weigh is fabulous. I run with a Garmin, not necessarily because I want to know how fast I am, but I want to know how many miles I've ran. And I have a goal to run five days a week and um, I do a spring and a fall marathon. And I know you've got to train to do that. So I will look at how many miles I've ran on my weight. And those will really help me kind of judge my personal assessment. That said, there have been years where I've done great on those things, but I've just been cooking and spending more time baking in the kitchen. So my weight wasn't where I needed to be. 
Well, then I knew that I needed to make one of my goals more about getting back in the kitchen and cooking more meals and doing more meal prep. Mm. So sometimes the meals, the, the goals kind of ladder up. Mm. Um, same thing with faith. You know, I know for me, it's being part of a worship community. And during COVID, I really missed that. And um, so one of the things I would say, okay, you have to treat church, church service time as a time where you're really going to go, despite the fact that the services are posted online and you can do this whenever I needed to treat it like a certain time for me, Sunday mornings at nine, that I was going to do that. Cause without that focus, I would just always be, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I never did it. So part of it is just your personal reflection in that. What are the things you need to do to get there? Um, it's not like my goal list has run a marathon. Running a marathon for me is about it forces me to have the discipline to do the mileage that I need to do to be ready to run a marathon. <laughs> well, you, you, you've said so much, and I, I wanted to ask you a couple more questions because I think everyone who's listening here knows that I, I, I don't do research on my, um, on my guests because I, I really do enjoy these organic random conversations because so much comes from it. Um, and you, I actually have been really looking forward to this um, because I I bank with Navy Federal Credit Union, right? Um, and I recommend them to everyone that I come into. Like seriously, like my sisters, like everyone, I tell them you need to bank with them. The reason being, I, everyone, if you haven't tried them out, definitely try them out. Um, their customer service is, I think, the best customer service I've ever dealt with in a bank, right? Um, you are the VP of marketing communications for this organization. And I guess my question is, is do you have any role in how you communicate out to the world, how great you guys, your, your customer service is and, and how great you, you, you focus on the customer. Do you have any role in that? And can I, can I ask what that role is? I do. And thank you. Let me thank you first for your membership because we, I, we love members. We know that uh, when you join, you've given us your $5 to put in an account and say you want to be part of our community. We look at that as a commitment to you. Um, you've said you want to be with us. So we owe you the right level of service. Our mission, our tagline is our members are the mission. And really we train all of our employees around that. And um knowing that they need to listen to what you're saying and not just what you're doing, but listen to what you're saying and figure out how they can help. Um, I've been here four years and I am here for a lot of the same reasons you talked about that you're here as a member. I'm here because I've worked in my career with a lot of clients that want to advertise and promote something. And part of what we've had to do is work with them to make sure that the promise is real because Good advertising and good marketing can put a bad business out of business really fast because we've raised people's expectations. And if the service isn't there to back it up, yeah. you know, you basically have just accelerated the decline of that brand. That is so untrue for Navy Federal because here people are trained. The mission, like we've only had that line for I think six, seven years now, our members of the mission, but we were founded around serving active duty veterans and their families and from all branches of service and with their families come different expectations than somebody who's brand new as an active duty recruit. So often our member service reps are listening for what you need versus just, oh, you're a human, you're banking, here's what you get. And so uh, our culture is really around that member orientation. We were built around member service. 
So in a lot of ways, that makes the marketing much easier because we need to tell that story and put that out there. But by the same token, do it in a way that's believable and a way that you want to belong here and want to be part of our membership. And, um, you know, make sure then that we live up to your expectations. You, you, you know, the, primarily the, my, my, listeners are, my listeners tend to be federal employees, uh, public sector employees, and especially military. And, you know, that is actually, again, I, for those who don't know, I actually spent 10 years within the federal government um, doing executive leadership development and running some other programs and serving as chief of staff. And what I always thought was that we did some really, 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 really great, important work, but we weren't always that great with the communications, like helping the public understand the good work that we do. Um, I, I know this is a super broad question, but you know, do you have any initial thoughts or, or recommendations on, on how to, how leaders within the, the, the government can, can better share the good work that they're doing, share the good news? <laughs> Well, I think of it by starting with looking at it from your member, from ours as a member, for, for other companies that may be your customer, looking at it from their perspective. What, is, what do they value? What's important to them? Sometimes it is very rational, saving money, saving time. Sometimes it's emotional. How do you make them feel it? And then the next step is how do you tell the story about that value point? Um, it's often sometimes we get so excited about what we can do that that's what we want to talk about. And sometimes that might not be in the best uh, best point of view or are the most newsful, uh, helpful for our members and customers that we're talking about. How is that newsful? It's a new word. And uh, so, you know, thinking what you do, but what you do and how important it is to those that you serve and then how best to tell the story. If you look at Navy federal work, particularly in the last decade, we really aren't telling people this is what we do. We're having members tell stories. We are portraying in our commercials, um, our members, we've just broken a campaign that's basically when somebody has a point in their life when they're looking at something, um, like in this one example, it's a Marine who's got a new truck and he's going through the car wash and he's like, I'm so happy I got this. I can't imagine where I'd be without Navy Federal Credit Union. And then there's a dream sequence where he goes and he literally then is in the car wash without the truck. So it's a funny moment. He emerges <laughs> and it's like, oh, wakes up and says, thank goodness I've got this truck. And you see what a great truck we helped him buy. Yeah. You know, we could talk to you about how fast we made the loan. We could tell you how fast we approved him as an active duty Marine. We can tell you about what kind of truck he got, what kind of rate he got. But overall, the bigger promise is, how would he feel without us? He'd be without this great car that he's there with his buddy and able to ex explore. So there's a lot of the emotional, rational parts that are both that are parts of the story. You got to do the rational parts. We do have great rates. We do make decisions on those loans quickly. And we do approve a lot of active duty as they're starting out their careers. But the things that really matter to him is could he get the truck? So we're telling all of those parts of stories and, and intriguing them enough where they want to look and learn more. And then they come to the website and they realize the rates are fair. They realize that they can apply and get an answer right away. They realize that they can get a discount on their auto insurance and hopefully they leave as happy and satisfied members with uh, a new car. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I'm, I'm telling everybody, look, this is not a sponsored at all. 
Um, seriously, I, I, I really, really love the customer service and how I'm treated at Navy Federal. Um, and they're in, I'm not going to call up other banks, but I left other banks because I felt like they were, it was just about the money, right? It was just about finding ways to, to tag me with fees. And, and when I speak to, when, I, when, I, when something happens, and I hope I'm not letting out a big secret, when something happens and I get hit with a fee with Navy Federal, I, I can generally call them, hey, look, yeah, this is not intentional. This is what happened. And they generally, they work with me. And so I, I appreciate it. Um, so I, I love their, again, I love their, their customer service and how you communicate it out. Um, I, I, you said something earlier that I want to want to tie back to because it was a hard point in my life and in my career. So you you've mentioned earlier about um, a good communication strategy can make a bad company go out of business even faster. And I, I love that you brought that up because it's, it's so true, right? Um, and there was a point in my career where um, my job was to to gain the buy-in of these leaders within this organization to support a particular, a particular initiative. Um, and I was, I was, and I'm fairly effective at doing this. You know, I'm, I'm fairly effective at getting buy-in for, for initiatives. And they were very wary. They were like, look, in the past, this hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. I'm like, no, 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 it's different this time. It's gonna be okay this time, trust me. And you know what? It wasn't okay. It didn't work. Um, and I felt, I felt personally like, how do I do my job moving forward if, if I'm putting my reputation, my name on the line to, to push an initiative and I don't have control over those other aspects? Like you talked about the training to ensure that those individuals are actually doing it. How, how do you, you know, can you, or I'm not sure how the question is, but you know, what, what do you have any reactions to people who have to push initiatives who don't have the the control over the maybe the back end work? Yes, I do. Um, and particularly if you're a service brand, and Navy Federal Credit Union definitely is a service brand. Um, um, before that, I worked on package goods, and package goods are a little bit different in that I make one thing, lots of it, to sell lots of that one thing. So I need to understand who that one thing appeals to, what's the right price, what's the right position, et cetera. When I'm in a service brand, it's a whole different ball of ball game because the expectations really, really change whether you think you got a good value from me. Um, I look at it in the context of often our members, they want a good value, but they want to be treated right. Um, they want to pay, pay a fair price. And sometimes they need to talk to somebody and have a question answered. So all parts of that have to serve for you to be happy with that versus if I'm selling a package good, you bought it, you like it, you don't, you come back, you try other things. I've got to make sure I'm keeping you in there, but I don't, I don't have as many to your question. I don't have as many questions about the delivery. Mm -hmm. The thing I, I made was the same for everybody. So for service branding, that's crucial. I'll tell you, and this is not a commercial, but I will share this. Last year, I did a virtual class online through the Stanford Executive Program that was actually called Leading with Personal Excellence. And I loved the class because it really taught you to kind of approach the different stakeholders that you needed to get their buy-in, either for their delivery of what you're promoting or their buy-in and support so that they're going to financially support your initiative or emotionally support your initiative and how to really assess the different 
go through a little bit of a process in the context of how do you best communicate those areas? How do you work better with teams and teams that are made out of, I, I really do think the best teams are made out of very diverse people. Well, that means they're going to bring diverse mindsets to how they make those decisions. And sometimes it's hard. And I will tell you, I've had some experiences in my life where I thought it was so obvious what to do that I've come in and talked all about how we're doing it. And then I look around the room and I realize some people are looking at me like, we haven't even said yes. What is she talking about? And I think it's such a <laughs> slam dunk. And I realized that I didn't bring everybody along with me. Mm. And later, some people are like, well, let's see if it fails or succeeds. But they're not they're not invested in helping you. But very few things can we do alone. You need a team and you need a team of people that are just as committed to it as you are. And doing that, building up the um, sponsorship and the support for it along the way is just as critical as the initiative. So kind of backing yourself up and thinking about how do you get others on board with you? Um, I have a quote, Alex and I are doing this via WebEx so we can see each other, but you can't see it. But next to my desk, I have a quote from uh, RGB that's fight for the things that you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to follow you. And the reason I love that quote is it, it has a fight. It acknowledges right up front that some things are not going to be easy. Yeah. The things you care about, which says focus, what you and I were talking about too earlier, you got to focus on things. You can't do this for everything. But doing it in a way that will lead, being a leader, others to follow you. You're going to have to have other people help you, not just lead others to do it. It doesn't say that. Lead others to follow and lead others to join you on your on your path. So that's really, for me, it's one of the, um, said I have it taped to my monitor. It's a great reminder in terms of that formula that you need lots of those different aspects to work and come together for success. Thank you for tuning in to the Alex Tremble Show. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Federal open season is over, but you can apply for WEPA life insurance year round. WEPA has been insuring the future of federal employees for more than 75 years. WEPA can be used as a supplement or a replacement for Fegley and can cost less. Last year, members who switched saved $375 on average. Apply for WEPA group term life insurance and see how much you could save by visiting WAEPA.org today. The results are in. Research has found that networking is one of the four skills absolutely required to successfully advance in your career. However, when asked, most government employees state that they don't network because they believe that networking is for extroverts and for people who care more about their own careers than the organization's mission. But what if there was a way to ethically network without looking self-absorbed and being a super extrovert? Well, there is. Alex Tremble has created a seven-week online networking course specifically designed to give ambitious leaders like yourself the skills needed to become a strategic networker. This course uses time-tested and research-backed strategies to help you identify, build, and maintain critical relationships with influential leaders. Visit alextremble.com courses networking to learn more about his networking model today. Use the discount code podcastfamily on the checkout screen to receive a 20% discount. Don't delay. Enroll today at alextremble.com courses networking.
And now back to The Alex Tremble Show with your host, Alex Tremble. You know, again, th- thank you so much for all this because it's already been enlightening for, for, for me. And so, again, going down the list, in addition to everything else I do, um, I also was recently asked to serve as the, the chief culture officer um, uh, for the nation's second large national conservation corps. And we're doing some really, really good work over there. Um, and I realized that, you know, culture change is heavily reliant on communications. Um, I almost feel like it's almost like a communication campaign, but you, you, to your point earlier, you can't just communicate, right? You gotta make sure the work is being done or else you're, you're, you're setting yourself up a failure. Um, I, I wonder, I, I wonder what, what role, like when you, when you talk about communications, how do you, I guess my question is, if you if you're a small organization, right? You're working with large organizations right now. I understand that. But if you're a small organization and you only have so many communication resources, right? Um, there's the external communications, there's the internal communications. Um, like, how do you decide what to invest in first? Because you know the reality is that I'm I'm developing a plan right now, like to build up these teams, and I I'm being asked, hey, where do we put our resources first? I, again, I don't know you don't know everything about our situation, but I, I wonder what your thoughts were. Start with where you tell your story. That might be on your website. It might be in social media. Those resources are relatively inexpensive, but it's your home base. It's your home base for your employees to remember where they work at and what they do and what the values are for that organization that they can align with. And then social media is fabulous because Let's face it, coming out of COVID and lots of the uh, struggles that we had last year for just so many different issues, I think a lot of people were tired. And if you look at what that's resulted in as a nation, we have a true trust deficit right now. People trust the police less. They trust the judicial system less. They trust government less. They trust community organizations less. Um, The things they still trust, though, are their peers. So what people are hearing, those word of mouth recommendations, those social media uh, recommendations and posts, all that really matters because I, um, I always find it really interesting when you think about trust in the context of you go to a new town and you look at a restaurant, often you pick where you're going to go, you read the reviews. You don't know any of those people. You don't know if they all are friends with the chef or they just happened to work there in the past. You know nothing, but you trust what it says. So if someone says that was the best filet mignon, what are you going to go there and have the filet? Because you're like, I heard this is really, really good. You don't know any of those people. So I think it just speaks to this whole digital. uh, Lots of us are digital natives now, almost regardless of how old you are. And that's going to be where people get their information. So I think for every company, it's like, how are you positioning yourself? Um, can your employees articulate what you stand for? Because they are your, your sales force, your home team, your operational delivery team. So they need to be able to say it and sing it proud, proudly and loudly. And then as you start to tell your story out, I think digital in a lot of ways is the, is the first best dollar to spend. Or I always call it invest, not spend, because you do mm-hmm. expect a return from it. So, so I, I, <laughs> I would like to take a, a, a slight left turn, um, because this is a question that I've been pondering for the last few weeks. So I, I am blessed to have met this, this individual 
who is phenomenal. Um, and this individual recently left one large organization to become an executive in a much larger organization. Um, and long story short, what I'll say she, what she found out, let's just call her Sarah um, or this Tanya. Tanya, what Tanya found out was that um, when she left to go to the other organization, the organization she was at was like, no, 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 don't leave, don't leave. We'll provide you with a package, we'll match it. And they provided this massive package. And the question that Tanya then had was, do I stay or do I leave? And Tanya decided to leave because she realized that that organization the entire time knew what she was worth, but chose not to pay her because they could, right? And so her, me and Tanya had this conversation about how important it is to, to know your worth. But at the end of the day, if you're not in those realms, how do you know what you should be being compensated at? And so my question comes in, a lot of our, our my, my listeners are wanting and aspiring to, to more and more senior level positions, but they don't always understand what their quote unquote worth is in dollars. Like, and, and if you don't have someone, a mentor to share the story that she shared with me, like, oh my God, like, that's what they offered you? She's like, yeah, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> like, how, how, do you, how do you find out, how do you know your worth, you know? Like, well, first of all, bravo, kudos to, I think you called her Tanya. Um, I think that's amazing because often, and I think a lot of people have those career stories where they were talked into staying someplace that they were ready to leave. Probably all the reasons she was ready to leave were still going to be there. All they were going to do was buy some, hopefully, uh, loyalty. And at the same token, she's vulnerable because she's shown them that she was willing to leave and was thinking about leaving. So they haven't addressed the problem, assuming that compensation wasn't the problem all along. Um, and if it was the only problem, they've also shown that they weren't being fair to her. So the best thing she can do, and I, this is one of the advice when, when I mentee, when I have mentees and, and I mentor people. And first of all, I tell them all, I will only agree to do this for you if this can be a two-way street, because I know I can learn as much from them as hopefully they're going to learn from me. And um, often there will be a situation where somebody says, should I go, not even leave the company, but should I take this new opportunity? It might be, I'm less proven in this field and this could be scarier for me. Am, am I more vulnerable if I can't do it, et cetera, et cetera. And I always tell people, you always have to run to something, never run from something. So running from without a two is without a really destination. And she obviously had another opportunity that she was very excited about and was willing to quit to go do it. And so I applaud that. And, and you kind of have to not look back at those side offers that come and say, here, what about this to stay? Or what about this to say? Um, years ago, when my boys were little, I, um, I was working at an agency and we were, we worked crazy hours, all kinds of hours. And um, I got ready to leave and just said, I'm, I'm an adoptive mom, mom late in my life, and I'm not going to, I need to be home for dinner occasionally. And um, so I'm going to leave. And they immediately were like, well, we'll give you more money and we'll give you less work. And um, it could be a secret, but you can only work, you can cut your hours by 20%. And I immediately was like, I have to leave. I want people to know that if I take a cut in responsibilities, I'm going to take a cut in pay because I want them all to feel like it's fair for everybody. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was really important to me. And I felt like it still was one of those, I did the right thing. I did the right thing for me and my family at that point. 
And I didn't get hung up in the whole decision of like, oh, I could stay here, work less, make more, um, which I know some people might use as a negotiated employee, but I feel like when your heart's in it, your head's in it, you got to follow through and um, look for that, look for that really, whatever was enticing you to leave probably is still there. You, you know, so you make me think of another woman who I coached uh, a couple of years ago now, and she, she had a lot of guilt because the company who recruited her was paying her a good deal of money. Um, and it was much more than those individuals lower than her. And so she felt so guilty. And, you know, again, I just, I told her, like, look, they're paying you because they believe you're bringing value to the company. But, you know, do, have you ever heard of anyone, you know, just having that, that that guilt or how they would get over that guilt of being compensated at a rate that is um, much higher than maybe those individuals who are working really hard as well, you know? That's one of those that takes a true assessment of the gap, because if people under um, from an organizational structure aren't being fairly compensated as a leader, part of her job is saying, look at it. These, these people are not being fairly compensated. At a larger company, you can do this where you get HR involved and say, just from the marketplace, what should these jobs pay? And, um, you know, with the right team, they can assess and say, is this fair? I mean, at the end of the day, everybody needs to be fairly compensated for your work. And um, what the work is sometimes determines what's fair. But as a leader, if the gap is too big, there probably means there needs to be an assessment too on, on the other side. So another kind of spitball question, because I know our time is starting to wrap up. Um, telework or distance working, whatever, whatever, I forget what we're calling nowadays. Um, I, I've been having these conversations. I had a conversation with the, um, the VP for talent development for Amazon a few weeks ago. Um, and we talked about how, um, yes, research is showing productivity has increased during these telework or remote work environment, right? Um, but they've also found that connectivity, connection has decreased, right? Um, and if, you, if, if you're new, if, you're, if you've been in the company for a while, um, you are basically kind of riding the fumes of the relationships you already had, right? If you don't have anything intentionally making you connect with other people. And if you're new to a company, you generally only know the people in your small team because those people you're talking to. Um, so we talked about the importance of Yes, we're not going back to 100% uh, you know, work in the office, but being very intentional with how we do this remote work and bringing teams in at the same time and you know, coordination. Like, can I ask, is, is Navy Federal doing anything or th have any thoughts on how, um, how to make those connection points even while people are remote working? Yes, we are trying to, because similar to what you learned, we have found that productivity is good. People have really done amazing things. Being sent home, uh, we are primarily a uh, on-campus employer. Three weeks after COVID happened, we had 90% of our workforce home, which was just amazing. I and mean, we were all like, how did this happen? But we needed to keep branches open to serve members. We needed to keep the phones on and being answered. So training everybody to work and service in this new module has been a challenge for us. That said, as we get ready to bring people back, we're, we're thinking a lot about how can we be intentional about what we bring people back for? And it's exactly what you talked about. We need to bring people back to collaborate. 
um, the forming and storming of teams happens still strongest in person. It is being able to see somebody across the room um, and talk to them about something, but it's also the body language that you can read when you all see each other. And sometimes you'll say, you know what, I'm not sure that Alex is, is on board with this, or I'm not sure that Pam understood what I was saying. And it's so much easier to go up to somebody and go, hey, let's grab a cup of coffee. Let's talk about what just happened in that meeting. How do you feel about this? And Mm -hmm. did we articulate the direction and the strategy and the the path and the vision for what we were trying to do? Um, And often I will say this, that I've really struggled as a leader here with my team. When I see all these little faces on Zoom, I can't tell who's following along. I can't tell who's struggling. It really is hard to identify those from your team who might need some help. The the productivity has been great. I will say as a runner, I equate what we've been through has really been about the sprint. What we're entering into is the marathon where Mm. we're going to have to identify how do we get those aid stations where we are refueling, reconnecting with each other to keep going for the long haul. And that does require some time together. One thing Navy Federal's done, which I love, is basically said, work out what works best for your business and your team. So for marketing, well, everybody's going to have a 10 days a month on campus but it's up to your manager to describe how those 10 days are set up. So for marketing, what we did is we said, let's pick a day, Wednesdays, it, everybody's going to be here so that we do have it. So you don't have to figure out which day my team's going to be here, which day mm-hmm. the business unit I'm going to connect with, they're going to be here too. We just have a day where you know you can just show up and you're going to see the vast majority of your team members. We already were virtual in some ways in that we have a big campus in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, We already had teammates there. We also have a campus in Winchester. Uh, Marketing doesn't have folks there, but we were used to working remotely with us here, some remote home workers, and then some in Pensacola. Um, But still, we were missing that group, that gathering, that um, all togetherness. So I'm excited about coming back together and having more of that and really this blended new workplace, which is the best of you know, you've got some time to work from home. You've got some time to be in the office and some time together. Yeah, you know, I was I was telling my a colleague of mine this morning actually the other day because of this this remote working environment. Um, I started a meeting at like seven o'clock, let's say, and I had a meeting um, with our fertility clinic um, at nine, and so I was able to take the first hour at the at my quote unquote office and, and then get in the car and continue the meeting as I got to feel to wrap it up. It's like, it's so much, it's so flexible. Um, and those individuals who, who haven't looked into the research in regards to, you know, connectivity and the importance of it, you know, one think about, we, we are social individuals, like loneliness is a real thing, right? If we don't have connection, loneliness will impact pro- uh, productivity and people will more likely leave because they, they just feel like there's no connection to the organization or anyone else. The other thing to think about is, you know, innovation. Innovation comes from, as you talked about earlier, Pam, those diversity of ideas and all those different ideas coming in and kind of coming into this pot and creating something beautiful. Well, the reality is if you're stuck within your own group because you haven't connected with anyone else, where did that innovation come from, right? <laughs> And let's face it, it's hard to pick up the phone and call somebody who has a very different point of view from you. Much easier when you're already in a meeting together, sitting next to each other, and you can talk through it and say, because they've got some great things to bring to it. You've got some great things to bring to it. But virtually, it's almost hard. It's almost, I won't say impossible, but it's really hard to get the best out of both those individuals. It's much easier when you're sitting side by side and say, 
let's talk about it. You're, you're absolutely right. And again, we're about to start wrapping up. I, I know you have so much more stuff to get to, get to today. So we appreciate your time. I, I do want to ask you as a leader, um, the reality is that you had to make a decision, right? You made a decision on how you guys were all going to move forward, you know, past COVID now, right? People, some people didn't agree with you, right? Some people probably didn't like it. Um, how, how do you deal with that? How do you square that for yourself? Well, uh, sadly, decisions aren't pop aren't uh, popularity contests. That said, at a service brand, we do want to make sure that we're listening to our employees and doing as much as we can for them, as well as listening to our members and doing as much as we can for them. So in order for us to have the best product, we knew that this hybrid workplace is really the best, most productive, um, as well as gives our employees a lot more flexibility than they had before and uh, still allows us to perform long-term for, well, today, as well as long-term for our members. And really just trying to make sure that I am a, a good listener and listening to the concerns and addressing those that we can and um, helping people get on board and, and really be part of still the team that's here to serve our members. Um, as I started out by saying, our members are the mission and that really takes a, a village of people to meet those members' needs. So, so I know if anyone's listening to this, if you're listening to it at work, um, I don't wanna get you in trouble, but you can play this game later. Uh, what I want you to do, we're gonna play a quick drinking game, right? Um, and that last answer she provided, I want you to take a shot for every time she said, listen or hear. It was a lot, right? That's what we do as leaders. We have to make sure we're listening to those around us and hearing them, providing them opportunity to be heard. Thank you so much for this, making that point. Again, if don't do the, don't play that game if you're about to drive, because I'm telling you, she said a lot and I want to get you in trouble. Um, but thank you so much for your time today, Ms. Pam. I, I want to open the floor back up to you. And is, is there anything, last thoughts, ideas, anything you'd like to share as we begin to wrap up now? Thank you, Alex. This was a pleasure to be here. And I'll just close with, uh, uh, to your point about, I, I didn't know you were going to do the drinking game, but uh, I was going to close with my um, advice, which is summed up in two words, learn how to listen loudly. And I say loudly because it is the listen loudly in the context of what people say, as well as the things they do, because often the what they're doing is communicating loudly too. So um, if you can listen loudly, um, it'll take you a long way. Listen loudly. I love it. <laughs> and I, I know that everyone who's been listening today is it. Look, if you haven't filled an entire notebook full of notes, then I need you to push pause, rewind it back to the beginning and hit it again, because you, you definitely missed out on some stuff. Um, Pam, again, thank you so much for allowing us to ask, ask you these questions. And I, again, as I tell you every single time, don't just look back reach back. If you found value within this session, if you found value of anything what Pam shared today, don't keep it to yourself. Don't look the next person and say, oh man, he should have been here or she should have been here. No, it's your job to reach back, find someone, mentor someone, find someone to share this with and tell them you need to hear this today. Um, and that's what I want to make sure that this, this is why we have this show. So look, if you have any thoughts or ideas on future guests or any thoughts or comments on what Pam shared today, please leave a, leave a thought in the comment. Find us on YouTube. Find us on the alextremble.com. This is an opportunity for us to hear your thoughts. As always, I end every session with stay strong, 
stay positive and definitely stay moving. Bye, Ms. Pam. Bye. Thank you. So that was painless, right? That was painless. It was easy. Thanks for listening. Find us online at thealextrembleshow.com and be sure to share what you've learned with at least one other person today. Check back on the first and third Wednesday of each month for new episodes. Until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving.